Last, uh, since you had a text after last Wednesday, because we had a real good question, and enough people were interested in it, that we're going to spend some time on it here. But we were looking at three reasons why Christians don't see or understand the will of God for their lives. We saw that to be immaturity, flawed knowledge, and undeveloped faith. So we're going to pursue these particular things. And in getting it ready, I was uh, meditating on, kind of, going over some people who had uh, failed, but then overcame. And we'll probably go over them again here down the road. But then I went over some people who didn't falter. I thought, let's take a look at these guys for a bit. So as I was meditating on them and just kind of going over them, and it's been a good week, so I may not be too short tonight. The more time I get to to work on these things, the (laughs) the longer it takes me to get through them. But... um, we are going to do it all here in, in one week. We're at least going over into to next week. But I saw that there was a pattern. There was a pattern with the people who didn't falter. And the pattern held for three different examples. And I want us to take a look at that pattern. And once we learn that, then when we look at our people who did falter and made it on back, we can, we can look for that same pattern. So, again, we were looking at the three areas that keep people from understanding the will of God. And we spent some time looking at the fact that God does want us to understand His will. We are not to go through life, well, if it's the will of God, it'll happen. No. Certainly the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So obviously the things that are the will of God are not being done on the earth. But we need to understand the will of God. If I don't understand it, I can't have faith for it. And the things that there is not faith on the earth don't seem to happen. At least those things that require it. So we want to make sure that our vision of the will of God is clear, that we understand it, so that we can continue to move on. Very seldom, I made this statement, I just want to read it for you again, very seldom was a full or a fuller understanding of the will of God waiting on God. A few times it did, it was, it was God's will for mankind, all mankind, all Israel, or all of the church. And we gave you examples on those. When it was the will of God for an individual, the same kind of waiting was not there. Not waiting or anything from God. So with that, let's go over to Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. Here is our first example of someone who heard the will of God and did not falter. In the year that King Uzziah died, and if you know Isaiah's history, you know that I that Uzziah was a favorite king of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of of hosts. In the presence of God, Isaiah becomes aware of his shortcomings. 
more than likely, he already knew them. But now they become an issue. You know, many Christians are in the same boat. We know our shortcomings. Some of them anyway. But we don't do a whole lot about them until something comes from God that points out those shortcomings and then we use them as excuses. Why we can't do something for God. Well, I have this. Of course, our poster child for this is Moses. He had all kinds of excuses and all kinds of reasons. And when God presented him with the will of God, well, no, I don't do this and this isn't right and this isn't going... He had all kinds of excuses, all kinds of shortcomings. In the presence of God you will become very aware of your shortcomings. In the presence of His revealed will, you will become very aware of your shortcomings. That is not unusual. That is not a fault on your part. No, it will happen. You will have a hard time finding anyone in Scripture, anyone in Scripture, who when in the presence of God or presented with the will of God for their life, is not keenly aware of their shortcomings. It is just something that, is, that seems to happen. When you are present in that kind of holiness, you are aware of your lack of holiness. When you are present with a great call or some kind of a great task that God has, you are aware of why you probably can't get it done. That's just sort of the way that we seem to go. Some, anyway. So he's already aware of these, but right now they are an issue. In the face of something holy, in the face of something bigger than us, we become aware of our smallness and our insufficiencies. People that have a pride issue, people that are in pride, they have a wrong view of their self, and they tend to see themselves as bigger and better than they are. Therefore, when people that are caught up in pride are in the presence of God, they're not as apt to see themselves as small. When a person in pride is presented with the will of God, they are not as apt to see themselves as small. In fact, they may see what God is calling them to as small compared to what they deserve. And there's the, there's the flip. Now, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Don't feel that you are in a bad way if you feel like in the presence of God you are very aware of your shortcomings, that you just haven't got hold of the righteousness yet. It seems like humility almost brings this along with it. But that does not mean that you have a license to get away with it. You need to overcome it. Know it's coming. And know that you need to overcome it. Now, many respond the same way when they're in the presence of God or become aware of the will or plan of God. We will see ourselves as inadequate. <clears throat> now, pride, I just want to make sure I get all this here to you. Pride makes us think we are better than what God has planned for us and why doesn't he use us more. This leaves us open to receive a new plan, one that appeals to our pride more and not revealed by the Holy Spirit. That's uh, one of the pitfalls of pride. It will take you down in the wrong direction. Let's take a look at verse 6 here. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, 
which he had taken from the tongs with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. When we get to heaven, I'm going to find out what kind of coals these are. Because <laughs> any time coals have touched me, uh, it wasn't pleasant. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. So the purpose of the coal was to cleanse his lips and take his iniquity away. When I first read this, I look at this and I, I think, if I'm Isaiah, my head could probably be thinking of a lot of reasons why that was insufficient to take care of my great problem. I need more than that. Now, can you imagine Isaiah, though, being up there in heaven, being up there in the throne of God, and here comes his angel, who is imposing in himself, coming over to you, because you said something. I mean, my first thought is probably, oh no, what did I say? <laughs> did I say something wrong? And he's bringing a hot coal. Oh man, I know I did something wrong. And then he brings it and touches it to me. Now, it's got to be a lot of trust on the side of Isaiah. I'm in heaven. God wants this to go on. And he just submitted to it. We don't see anything about him fighting this. I don't know if, if all of us, I don't know if I would be in that situation. <laughs> I see a hot coal coming at me with his uh, larger-than-life uh, seraphim. Hmm. Well, so God ministered to his area of inadequacy, and Isaiah received it. That's huge. He received it. Because right after that, God says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he says, Here am I, send me. So before he was concerned about sin and being in the presence of God. And now when God says, Who am I going to send? I'll, I'll go. Now, I don't know how many people were there that he had a choice of. As far as I can tell, Isaiah is the only one there. So if you're Isaiah, and God says, who am I going to send? Isaiah may be looking around. <clears throat> I guess me. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, he still could have disqualified him, because Moses surely disqualified himself, and he's the only selection. There's no one else in the burning bush. He says, go find somebody else. If I don't receive what the Lord sends to help, pride is usually involved, setting my will above the will of God. That's a problem with pride. Verse 9, And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Remember, Jesus quotes this. We looked at it not too long ago. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy. And shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant. <clears throat> the houses are without a man, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for consuming. As a terebinth tree 
or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down, so the holy seed shall be its stump. Now, how would you like this calling? That God says, I want you to go and I want you to speak to these people, but they will be dull, their ears will be heavy, and their eyes will be shut. And how long do you want me to do this? How long do you want me to minister to a people that are not going to hear, not going to see, and not going to listen? And he goes, until the cities are desolate, until the judgment comes. So Isaiah is being given a call to pronounce God's word of repentance to a people so that they would not be destroyed, but he knows they will be. How tough is that? I mean, why in the world should I even go? You already tell me how it's going to end. But there is a pattern here, and I want us to see the pattern. The first thing in the pattern here of receiving understanding on the will of God, the first thing is our ignorance. There must be something I don't know. Something that will come that needs revelation to come along. There is ignorance. And I uh, this will be down in your outline later on, but it's necessary for us to go over it here. There are three reasons why there are ignorance can come that we're mostly focused on here. There's probably some others too, but three that we're mainly mainly going to be looking at here. <clears throat> ignorance from not knowing anything. There is an ignorance that's come because I know absolutely nothing on the topic. If you were in school and you took a math class and you knew absolutely nothing about algebra, you are completely ignorant and you need, under, you need wisdom from the teacher because you know nothing about it. There's a, there's a complete lack of uh, information there. Some things that we are going to need revelation for, I don't have any idea about. I would say that Isaiah, here in this, is probably falling into this category. There is a call of God to send him to the people. It does not appear that he had any idea about it. He was ignorant of this call. When it came, he was ready to receive it. God gave him revelation about this call. He received it. If you want an example, I'm just going to give you one on each of these, but you can probably use your own understanding of Scripture and go and find others. Ignorance from not knowing anything puts Samuel in this, in this group. Samuel, when God spoke to him and called him in the nighttime, knew absolutely nothing. He didn't even know it was God calling him. Until after the, the uh, third time, and Eli was, was giving him some uh, wrong counts at the beginning, but finally he realized what was going on. But he knew nothing. And then God spoke some things to him, and he received it. Here's the second one, believing the wrong thing. I can be ignorant because I believe the wrong thing. Moses is a good person for this. He believed he had failed. He believed he was disqualified. He, was, he believed he did not have what it took to be the deliverer of Israel. He believed wrong things. God had to give him revelation to get him over what he understood incorrectly. We don't have... Can't say from the Word of God that everyone who went down the road of wrong information got a revelation to turn back. I would think God would do something to help them out. 
But there are many people who made a wrong turn and we never see anything going on in their lives to turn them around. It doesn't mean it's, it didn't happen. It means it's not recorded in the Scripture. I would think that God sends something along and they just ignored it. But some of the things you can, you can do on this, and if this steps on any of your toes, it stepped on mine. But here's some things about believing the wrong thing. I believe I can do this and it not be sin. How many times do you know people, well, I believe I can do this, then it not be sin. I don't think that God looks on, on this as sin. I believe I can think this and still walk in love. I, can, I believe I can do what I want and still be in submission. I believe I can follow my calling as I choose. I believe I can be done when I say I am. Yep, that's a wrong understanding and people have fallen into a wrong understanding and it is harder to pull someone out of a wrong understanding than it is to take someone who's completely ignorant, completely unknowing. God would probably prefer that we knew absolutely nothing about the thing than that we have accepted something that was false. Because more often than not, people who accepted something false went down a wrong road. Here's the third one. Knowing enough to ask questions. So we go from not knowing anything or believing the wrong thing or knowing enough to ask questions. I know enough. I don't know all that I need to know, but I know a little bit on this and I know I need to ask so I can get more revelation on this. Daniel is our poster child for this. Daniel knew something, but he had went and asked God on a few occasions for more. He knew there was a dream, and he asked God for the revelation of the dream. He knew what the scripture said about the end of the 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 uh, seventy or the, the end of the time, the seventy years that they would be in captivity, and asked God for revelation, and he got the vision of the seventy weeks. So there was. There were times that Daniel asked God for things. He had some revelation. He had some understanding, but he needed more. So those are three areas there. So first off, the pattern here, our ignorance. I am ignorant of some things. Whether that ignorance is completely not knowing anything, believing some things that are wrong, or knowing enough to ask questions. The second thing is God's revelation. In the ignorance, God spoke. Moses thinking that what he knew was true. God spoke in that. And we had a little bit of a wrestling match in, on, on that one. Samuel just received what it was. God had a basically a blank slate there to, to work on. And he was able to write and Samuel received it. And Daniel, of course, we know he received those things. So God's revelation will come. You may be ignorant of the will of God for what's going on. You may be ignorant for what God called you to. You may be ignorant for a change that is coming and how you are to minister or what you are to do. Maybe one particular calling in our life has been fulfilled and we're moving into another. But God's revelation will come. Many times this is not what you want to hear. 
In fact, you will find out in the scriptures that most people who got revelation in this area did not want to hear it. It made them uncomfortable. Some of them made them downright mad. <laughs> they didn't want to hear it. Many times it's not what you want to hear, but hearing what you don't want is not proof it's God. There are people who try and use that. They'll say, well, it must be God because I sure didn't want it. No, that is not proof. If you use that as proof, you will go down the wrong way surely. Just because you don't want it doesn't mean that that's, that's God. People could say, well, I never wanted to be a missionary, but I just know God's called me to, to be a missionary, so I went out there in the mission field. Well, that doesn't mean God called you. It just means you did something that you didn't want to do. You need to find out what God wanted you to do. So, God's revelation will come. Third, our inadequacy. We become aware of how inadequate we are. The inadequacy was always there and present when God gave the call or gave the revelation. The callings of God came way before we were born. God was aware of our inadequacies. We had to understand that when the calling came, God gave us the things that we need. I may not see them yet, but he gave them to me. When God's revelation comes to you, you will become mindful of your inadequacies. It is not doubt on your part. When God speaks to you about the will of God for your life, and you think, I know I can't do that. I don't see how that could possibly happen. That really is the pattern. That happens a lot. So, don't fret it. But be like Isaiah and still receive the revelation. Receive what God spoke, spoke there. The question will come, will you trust that God has a way for you to overcome it? Always a trust issue. Faith is always a trust issue. Here's the fourth one. God's renewal. What God speaks, you may not understand completely yet. If ever you get to this step and what God spoke took every doubt or inadequacy away, you are likely on the wrong path. When God speaks, you may not understand completely yet. Whatever God speaks in the area of renewal to, to help you, to fix you, to, to get you over it. If you get to this step and what God spoke to you took every doubt or every inadequacy away, more than likely... You are on the wrong path because you will not find it very often that when God sends something by itself, it is enough to take all doubt away. You will still have the ability to doubt that this is God. You will still wonder, has God really put me on this path? Boy, has it been hard. I just don't know if I'm, if I'm doing this well. But God did the renewal here for Isaiah. He sent the coal, seraphim, brought the, brought the coal, cleansed them. And we could look at that and say, I don't know if that's quite going to be enough. But he did not let that get in his way. He received the renewal, let it do its, its work, and said, well, if that's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. I don't know how many people really realize that when they take what God sent for our renewal and disparage it. They're telling God, you didn't do this good enough. 
You're not doing it by my standards. You're not measuring up to what I think you ought to do. You're not quite God enough here. That's really what you're doing. And Isaiah knew better. He said, all right, if that's what I needed, then that's what I needed. I guess I'm ready. And I'll go. And then that's the last step here, our receiving. I've got to receive the things that God has spoken and the things that God does. I've got to receive them. You'll see holes. You'll see problems. <clears throat> you'll see reasons why this won't work. You're going to be like Moses. Well, all right, I see that you did that. But then there's this problem. And what you did is not quite sufficient over here. And well, then there's this problem over here. And then you're not, you're forgetting that, you know, they don't like me down there. And then beside that, I don't talk well. And then beside that, <laughs> and he keeps coming. <laughs> you see, God says, enough. You will go. And so he went. We have to get through those stages. Only then, then are we ready to move on. Now, revelation can come in a couple of ways. I, I think I left, I may have taken this out. I think I took this out of your outline. You can write it in, though. I tried to give you some extra space. I had to pick and choose what I left in. But revelation can come from the wisdom of God. That's one place the revelation can come. Revelation can come from wisdom of God, the wisdom of God. It can also come from the wisdom of man. Or darkness. You can get revelation from the wisdom of God. You can get revelation from the wisdom of man. And you can get revelation from darkness. Remember that Paul talks about doctrines of demons? That is because that is revelation from darkness. There are many a minister who has walked the face of this earth who has spoken words of darkness as words of light. They've spoken things of revelation, but they were not revelation from God. Look at many of the people who led cults. Some of them started off with, uh, with, with things that were good. The guy with the Kool-Aid, he started off good. He had a roaring church going, healings going on, Spirit of God moving into services, and then he got revelation. It wasn't from God. And they went down a road and eventually got to the place where all of them were uh, committed suicide. And there have been other cases like that as well. Um, there was a group that was waiting for the spaceship to come get them. They received revelation from darkness. We have to understand there's revelation from God, there's revelation from man, and there's revelation from darkness. And we're responsible to know. The revelation that comes from God has God's flavor to it. The revelation that comes from man has man's flavor to it. And the revelation that comes from darkness has its flavor to it. We should know and we should recognize. But as you can see in history, there have been people who did not recognize. You better know. Well, these kind of things can come in. i got to make sure that I'm not letting it in. Now, there's another level to this pattern. That's the first part of the pattern. You cannot get to any other level until you go through that pattern first. I don't know how many Christians have gone through this world and have never made it through that pattern. They've stopped somewhere. They, they got to the point of ignorance. Ignorance is easy. We can all be ignorant. And I can get to ignorance any of those three ways and maybe even some others. I can be at the place of ignorance. Revelation will come. That's still pretty easy to get to. Revelation can come. 
But many times Christians have rejected it because of the ignorance that was in them. And a whole lot of Christians never get past that, page, that, that stage because they never receive the revelation. Those who do receive the revelation can then get stopped at the next spot because inadequacy has, has uh, anchored them. Oh, I can't do this. Moses was tempted and almost stayed at this level. Didn't go any further. But we need to be like Isaiah and push on through. And all right, I see my, my, my inadequacies. It's not pride for me to press forward. Humility may bring me to a place where I realize them. But I have to stay humble and receive what God has done and not walk in pride and exert my will over His. So I've got to receive from God. So there's going to be my inadequacies. Once I become aware of those inadequacies, God does send something to help me. He sends something to renew me. He sends something to, to repair what I think needs to be repaired or, or whatever it is that needs to be. He will send it. I need to receive it. That's a spot that a lot of Christians never get to. God sends the repair and they don't receive it. They, they see it come in. No, I'm, I'm just really bad. How much... I think it's this way. Paul... How much did he have to receive from God to get over his inadequacies? He was murdering people in the church. How much do you think he had to do? But do you think that it would hold a candle? That God says, all right, we got this calling you. Yeah, but I was a murderer. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. All right, forget it. I'll go find somebody else. But God sent him what was needed to get him over it. He still had to receive it. And he did. Not everybody gets through those stages. We should, but not everyone gets through those stages. If we don't, we'll never hit this next level. And in this next level, we're going to see this here in Jeremiah. It starts differently. And let's, let's read the part here in Jeremiah. And well, no, we saw, we saw, I can, we can go over here. We saw it here. <clears throat> there will come a place that after we have gotten through the things... Now, just go over to Jeremiah. I'm going to read this first. <laughs> Jeremiah 1. <clears throat> the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, the priest who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah king of Judah, until he the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. This is revelation. God is giving him revelation. He may not have known all this is going on, but he's telling them, Before you were born, I ordained you to be a prophet of the nations. Whoa. Prophet of the nations? Hmm. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. He is aware of his inadequacies. Whenever the revelation comes, you will be aware of your inadequacies. It's amazing how much this pattern is through Scripture. We're only looking at three, but you can use your own knowledge of Scripture and see it other places. So Jeremiah feels inadequate to the calling. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, 
For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So he's letting them know, I know who you are. I know where you're at. Do not say that you are a youth and cannot accomplish it. I know who and where and what you are. Basically, he's putting it this way. Do not speak words contrary to what God has called into being. Gotta watch your words. Do not be afraid. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. <clears throat> Basically, he got to saying this to him. Get your words out of your mouth and let me put my words in it. Now, the Lord touched his mouth. There's the renewal. He, meant, he mentioned the problem. There's the renewal. This is the second time the mouth was an issue. Our words are important. Don't speak words against the calling of God. Don't speak words against the things of God. Whatever it is that you're believing for, don't be speaking words against it. Your words are important. Now, Jeremiah needed to receive this before we can move on. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And we're not given a whole lot of detail here, but if God has moved on, Jeremiah received it. And we never hear Jeremiah bring this up again, so I'm pretty much on the page that Jeremiah received it. And I said, I see a branch as an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time saying, what do you see? Now he said, I see a boiling pot, and it's, it is facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kings, kingdoms of the north, says the Lord, they shall come, and each one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness because they have forsaken me, burned incenses to God, other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. God says in verse 16, I will utter my judgments. How is God going to utter his judgments? Through Jeremiah. Therefore, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. God says it to him. And Jeremiah says it to the people. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. Hmm. You make sure you're bold in front of them. Don't you be dismayed. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. They will fight against you but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. So what God is telling him here is don't be dismayed. I have made you this day. That's today. I have made you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land. If they come against you, 
They're coming against a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall. Yeah, but you don't see what they're doing. This is what God has said. Now, how many times do you think in Jeremiah's ministry did he have reason to question this? How many times did it seem like they were prevailing? Go through the whole book and you're going to find some times when he, had, he was, it was tough. Thrown into prison, beaten. It seemed like, well, they're, I think they're, they're winning. But God says, no, they won't prevail. He said, they're coming for you, but they won't prevail. Now, you'll see this, this pattern here with many of the prophets. And it's a, it's a higher level. But you will not get to this pattern until you accomplish the first one. You've got to accomplish that first one. And here's how this one is very unique from the things that happened before. This one always seems to start with an inquiry from God. It always seems to start off with an inquiry. God asks a question. And then there is our response. Who can I send? Will you go? Will you do this? Will you sacrifice your son? There always seems to be a question, an inquiry from God. And then there is the response from us. After that, there's God's instruction. He always gave instruction after he asked somebody to do something. Give them instruction. Noah had instruction on how to build the ark. Then there was our reception to it. Moses received instruction <clears throat> on how to build the tabernacle. And he had to follow it. There's always the instruction and the people that are needed to follow. As far as I have found, this level always seems to begin with a question or an inquiry from God. It doesn't happen until the previous pattern flows through its full course. Now look at the three hindrances to understanding. Their knowledge is flawed. Their maturity level can't handle it. And their faith isn't ready. Now for both of these guys that we looked at, their knowledge was correct. came from God. They didn't have, they didn't have uh, any kind of false knowledge to, to get over. So they, they did not have the first one their knowledge was not flowed. What they knew came from God. Their maturity level and their faith levels were tested. But they were ready and they advanced. They were stretched, but they did not break. Just because you are being stretched does not mean that you're missing it. Whenever someone was put through this pattern, they were always stretched. Read through the account of Moses when he goes after and he encounters Pharaoh. Is Moses not stretched? When um, uh, David is running and going through the wilderness, is he not stretched? Was he probably stretched when he went after the lion and after the bear? 
more than likely, there was some more stretching that went on when he faced Goliath. But you sure can tell it from the story. He sure is uh, seemingly ready. Joshua, when he took over from Moses, I mean, you know, that had to be a stretch. One thing where you're the number two person, now he's the number one guy. Everything comes down upon him. And when he made that, that failure, when he had the failure over in uh, Jericho, and the people died in that battle with Ai, when he had the failure and he made the covenant, he had to feel stretched. But he stayed on. Now, they were not lazy. These two guys, they went to work with what they were given. And more was understood and revealed as they went. Until you put the call to work, don't expect to have anything more given or more understood. Now, their callings were always the plan of God. But revelation of it did not come until God felt they were ready. It was always in the plan. But when God gave the revelation is when God says, you're ready now. Don't think that going and saying to God, when he reveals a plan, oh, I just, I'm not ready for that. Don't think God is going to view that as humility. God will view that as pride. No, I said you're ready. I came and gave it to you. If I came and gave it to you, then you need to trust me that I'm telling you, this is good. So you're going to tell me you're not going to trust me? That's pride. I'm raising myself up over God. I'm telling God, well, God, I mean, usually your plans are great, but you're, you're a little early on this one. Uh, no. I don't know if I was able to squeeze this in your outline. I don't think I was. But are there people who never hear what is planned because they never made sufficient preparation to get ready? Are there people who are born in this earth, live and die, and never hear what God planned for them because they never made sufficient preparation to get ready? Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now here we see the first two stages. There is ignorance. I know that God is sending a Messiah. I do not know how or when. Or where. Or who. And that, in that ignorance... God sends this revelation. And so revelation comes to Mary and God is speaking to her. These words may seem a little vague to us, but to her in the language of the day, of the, of the language that they were expecting for Messiah, this is the angel telling her, you will give birth to Messiah. There is no doubt that Mary knew that. 
<clears throat> so here we got the first two stages. Now let's look at number three. Then the Mary said to the, then Mary said to the angel, "How can this be, since I do not know a man?" All right, here's the calling. Here's what God said is going to happen. And what does she see? Uh, hold on a minute. We're, we're missing something here. I don't have a husband. How am I going to have a child? I don't have a husband. How can this be? I don't know a man. There's the inadequacy. There's something missing. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. This is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. There's the renewal. God is renewing. All right. Here's, she spoke out her inadequacy. God did not get mad at her. The angel didn't rebuke her for that. Simply said, no, here's how it's going to happen. And he ends with, God, nothing will be impossible. All right. Now, it's kind of like a tennis match, these things are. Now it's back in your court. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We've looked at this before, but in this one statement, Mary gave the angel everything he needed. She submitted to the plan of God. She didn't know everything about the plan of God, but she submitted to it. And she spoke these words, Let it be to me according to your word. She spoke words that can be used to create this thing to happen, have this thing happen. This wouldn't have happened if she said, well, I don't know how you're going to do that and I don't think it'll work. And this wouldn't have happened, we wouldn't have Mary in the, in the Bible. We would have to move on to somebody else. But she received the renewal. Once Mary received it, she speaks words. So she was able to, to act on it. And the angel left. There will come a time when you realize I don't know anything about something important. There'll come a time that you realize there's something important in my life. There's something important that God wants me to do and I don't know anything about it. There will come a time when you realize I do believe something that is false. I do believe something false. Now, God will help us to realize it, but this is why being in His Word is of such importance and why the devil is always working to get churches out of the Word. This is not something new to our day. You can go back in, the, in, in ages prior and you will see there was a work to get people out of the Word. Remember Martin Luther stood up and and gave his thesis because people had gotten away from the Word. And things were being declared that were not in the Word of God at all. So he nailed his little thesis there. Uh, there's, there's other people behind, beside him that saw this is what the Word teaches. There's always people who held to the Word. During those particular times, all we see is those who did not hold to the Word. But there were people who held to the Word. Many in the, in the church today, there are many ministers, there are many churches 
that have gotten away from the Word of God completely. Some of them don't even open up the Bible in the, in the service. Some use translations that are straight from the pit of hell, so to speak. They, they change too much of Scripture. They alter things so it is no longer saying what God said. And if the devil can get all these things going on, then if you have a belief that is outside of the Word of God and is never being compared to the Word of God, you will never know it. And you will continue to go on with that wrong belief. If you cannot get over that wrong belief, you will never complete this pattern and you'll never get to a place of the greater revelation. You'll never get to that place where God can use the things that are put on the inside of you. It's the pattern the devil loves. But there's always been people that are hungry for the word and strive to learn it and to compare themselves. And when they see something that they're doing that's not in the word, they get rid of it. They'll drop it because they love the Word. The Word of God talks about those that love His Word, love His law. We need to be those that love His law. I, I know many of you, I myself, I listen to somebody preaching in the church and they don't get into the Word within 15, 20 minutes. I'm getting bored. I don't care what, what kind of things people want to talk about as far as society and, and what's going on with that. What's the Word of God have to say? You want to get into the Word of God and compare that to society, that's fine. But get into the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Speak the Word of God. Break down the Word of God. This is what we have to, to stay with. Because to this day, I still do not know all about the Word of God. I'm sure you're in the same boat as me. And there's more for us to learn. So we've got to still stay with it. We've got to still press in. It's not time yet to be done. There is something that could be inside of me that is false. And the only way I will find out that it is, is if I stay to the Word. And then revelation will come. Oh, the Word says this. Oh, now I understand that. But I've been doing it this way. I've been going after this. I've been thinking that I can do that sin. I've been thinking that I can go this way. I've been thinking I can do it my way. I can't. This is, this is wrong. And we fix it. So there will come a time when you realize I do not know anything about something important or I believe something false. And the third one, I know enough to ask questions. I know enough to ask some questions. God, I know that this part is true from your word. And I know that you said this. So how about this. How about this one? But the enemy is always going to try and slip you in things that are wrong. If you've got something on the inside of you that is false, you are going to ask questions, but they won't be based on the truth. There are many times that people <clears throat> that as, as God is moving them in through life and he's, he's changing some of the things that they're doing, changing some of the ways that they're ministering, not everybody receives those changes. Sometimes we, we sit there and say, well, I guess God is done with me. Well, I'm old. Nobody will receive from me. See, that's a, that's a falseness. Some, somewhere I heard that. Well, nobody's going to receive from me. I'm old. Well, no one's going to receive from me. I'm too young. Well, no one's going to receive from me. I don't know enough of the Word. Well, no one's going to receive from me. I don't have anything to give. See, there's a false thing that is there. 
because of that false, I'm, I'm going to ask the questions. Well, God, I guess you're done with me. When do you want me to come home? You're going to ask questions. These are not questions that God's impressed with. These are not questions that God likes. Spend some time in the Word of God, we can look at that, but God will send revelation. But your response to it would determine, determine what will happen next. He'll send revelation. A lot of times people, they go off and they're not watching the words. I realize I got some ignorance here. Father God, I need wisdom. I need revelation. I need understanding on this. And we ask God for it. And then constantly you know, people come up and say, well, how's that going? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, it's just perplexing me so much. I mean, I've just been... Uh, praying and asking God and our words are going against the things that we said. Remember the, in the, the story? Get your words out. Get my words in. Even if, if people like Jeremiah can speak wrong words, I can speak wrong words. But if God's going to put His words in my mouth, i got to make sure I get my words out. Get them out. Don't be talking about, about other things. Don't be talking about, you know, well, I, I just don't know how that's going to happen because this is so. Don't be saying it. Don't be speaking these words. God will send revelation, but your response to it will be determine what happens next. Now, this whole thing seems to be a pass-fail. You don't get an A, B, C, D, F, all that sort of stuff. You get a pass or fail. You either hit this spot of receiving the revelation, receiving the renewal that God will send, or you don't. You either get over your inadequacies when the revelation comes, or you don't. It's a pass-fail. I don't say anything in Scripture that says, well, you, you got an A on that. I mean, <laughs> Moses, you only got a B. You got an A. No, there's no A, B, C. You either pass it, or, do not pass go, do not collect $200, and go back over to the beginning. That's, that's basically it. You're either going to start over again, try and get, on, get to that spot again. Here it is. Here comes the revelation. Here comes the inadequacy. What are you going to do about it? If we succumb to it, and we start over again. It's a pass-fail. God's not looking for how impressive you, when you get past this. He just wants you to get past it. He wants you to receive what it is that he's, he's doing. When you feel the inadequacies coming up, will you get past it? When you see the renewal from God come, will you receive it? And when you go on in the power of that, re of that renewal, or will you constantly be held back by it? Paul was one of those, I'll tell you, he had to have a hard time. Could have had a hard time, but he, he sure stayed with it. Now, next week, we're going to take a look at some people who failed. That's what we're going to see this pattern. We're going to watch this pattern and see some people who failed and um, take a look at what we can learn from them. You can overcome this. There's nothing that says you have to fail it two or three times in order to get past it. You don't have to fail it at all. As far as I can tell, Isaiah hit it and passed. Jeremiah hit it and passed. Ezekiel 
far as I can tell, there was no failure in, in his. He didn't go back to the beginning. He just kept pressing on into more and more and more. We don't have to fail. Everything in you is going to erupt and say, I can't do this. I can't overcome. I know God has, has put some things, but it just doesn't feel like it's enough. Think back to these guys with a coal from the altar. Would that be enough? With God coming over and touching your lips, would that be enough? Whatever it is that you need in renewal on, God is going to provide it. Because he called you to this. And he has a way. He doesn't just ignore your inadequacies. He doesn't just say that, well, don't worry about that. Just come on. No, he doesn't rebuke any of these guys who came up with, well, I'm inadequate over here. That's fine. Let's minister that right now. Let's take care of it. Let's go. And he took care of it. God is not mad because we see our inadequacies. It's not a lack of faith because we see our inadequacies. It's a lack of faith when I don't trust that what he did to overcome it. I say, God, I still can't do it. Then you get a mad God. And you get one like Moses had at the burning bush. But we don't have to be that way. Father, I thank you for the calling that you have on our life. That there is the will of God that you have for us and that we will walk in that will. We will go in that way. You will send us revelation. Maybe you have already. Maybe there's more to come. When that revelation comes, it will cause us to feel inadequate. It will cause us to see our shortcomings. Why we can't get it done. That is a totally normal response. There's nothing wrong with us. And you will come with words. You will come with actions. You will come with something to help us. But we need to be the ones that will receive it. There is a renewal that will come from our God to get us over the things that we see as holding us back. I thank you that you have that ability and that plan. Help us to be people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, that when you sent the renewal, they received it and moved on. To be like Mary, when she saw what she lacked, the angel spoke and she received it, spoke words of faith. I thank you, Father. That we too can walk in that same way. In Jesus' name, amen. Anything to add? Comments? Questions? Yes. We got a microphone floating around here. In earlier, you were saying that, you know, something about proof. Um, I, I forget how, well, you worded it in such a way that said, you know, because you don't want to do it, Oh, Some people have just because, yeah, just because, just you, because don't you don't do want to do it. That's not proof that mm-hmm. it's from God. So my question is, what is the proof that it's from God? Then, yep. because I mean, like you said, you can believe something that's false, and I've I've believed yeah, that. We'll cover more of that as we go through here because we're going to okay. look at some. These are 
These are 100% from God. So it's not real easy for us to pull out any clues to tell us what's not from God. But we'll, we'll pull some out and we'll see some, some things that help us give us some, some clues in that. Okay. Yeah, these, we, we started with the cream of the crop here. <laughs> these guys, uh, they knew the voice of God, they heard the voice of God, and they received the voice of God. But uh, I saw this pattern and said, well, we've got to start here. Because I want us to see that, that pattern and um, how that... You'll keep that pattern in mind. That pattern in mind is... Keep that in mind because we're going to watch this with the people who fail. Yeah. Did you have questions? Okay. We only give you the microphone so the people that are watching online can hear. We'll look at, uh, we'll probably tie in some things to help us to understand. A lot of times we're hearing the voice of God without necessarily I've understanding. Heard, um, uh, we'll try and get some, into some things that will help you out with that. <laughs> Anybody else? Uh, Sharon has a, a question and a comment. Okay. The comment is, I agree the word is what I want to hear from him or what I want to hear from, I'm sorry. And her question says, can revelation from man or the enemy follow the pattern you mentioned tonight, or do only revelations from God follow that pattern? Uh, good question, and we I will table that until next week. <laughs> if, if I answer it to you in a short answer, we'll mess it all up. But I want you to see it in the Word. I want you to see the people who went through this and, uh, and to spend some time with it. So, um, great question. It's already in there. We're already working it out. It's, um, I loved the, getting the question last week. I, I sat down, what was it, on Wednesday? I sat down on Thursday and just wrote down a whole mess of stuff just to, to, to get into this. I was so excited. I was, I was kind of pushing into my Sunday time. 